Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Kreisel and Diane Duvaray, your hosts every week right here on AM 1290, FM 96.9, and streaming at AM 1290 KZSB. We're repeated at 11 and Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates at a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets and in Montecito's Upper Village. And Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm, coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Hi, Neil. Happy Monday. How are you today? I'm good. I hear you're in LA today. I am. Isn't that the beautiful thing about Zoom? You can be anywhere. So it was the market down in LA too, just not the stock market was only down here. No, it was just in Santa Barbara. <laughs> okay. I haven't left Santa Barbara in so long. I just want to make sure it's still a national thing, right? The Dow and-, and Yes, yes, yes. Very fun. <laughs> so we have with us today, Amy Baird, who's a Village Properties Broker Associate. Thank you so much for being with us, Amy. Delighted to be here. Thanks for the invitation. With all, the, with all the excitement going on in the real estate market, we can't wait to hear from you. Mm-hmm. But before we get to you, Neil, do we have some articles? Well, the, the first one is one that absolutely shocked me because I thought I knew everything that could go wrong with uh, 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 Coinbase and cyber currency. I could not believe this article in Thursday's Wall Street Journal. Um, when an investor um, invests in a... Uh, in 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 a in a I guess with an investment advisor or some type of uh, regulated investment vehicle, many times the money is put into a custodian account to protect the investor's money. But even if it's not in a custodian account, it's usually with a major brokerage firm that has a federal insurance, and the money is segregated. It turns out that in the latest filing, Coinbase, which is one of the largest, or if not the largest trading uh, platform for uh, a cyber currency, uh, warns investors that the uh, their assets, their money, may be considered part of um, the- uh, The balance sheet of the company? Yeah, the balance sheet of the company. And in the case of bankruptcy, it could become an asset of the co- of the company, in which case the holder, the 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 investor, in this case, is he becomes an investor as opposed to a depositor, uh, is treated like a uh, uh, a um, uh, a non secured de- uh, lender, which is yeah, unbelievable. I, I, were you aware of that? It is unbelievable. I was not aware of that, given that we don't invest in crypto in any in any way, shape, or form. At Arlington, however, um, I became somewhat of an expert on what what's on the balance sheet, what isn't on the balance sheet during the 2008 uh, market meltdown or the the Great Recession, and that could be really problematic for many of the holders of of Coinbase if they do f- continue to free fall and have to declare, you know, Chapter Eight, then they become a debtor, a debtor basically. And have to line up, and I'm sure that where they end up in the list of, of um, you know, who gets paid back, it's probably somewhere close to the bottom. 
And you know, think think about the typical small investor who's investing in Bitcoin or any of these cyber currencies. They probably don't uh, have any idea of the additional risk because their money is really their money may not be really secured. Uh, forget about the investment, the uh, the fluctuation and the the market risk. Uh, the next article uh, is from our favorite uh, writer, Jason Swag in the Wall Street Journal on Sunday, and he is talking about something called um, the, uh, uh, the the Fed, uh, the Fed, uh, uh, what is it? What, let's see if I can get the name of it right, which I think is very funny. Um, the, uh, uh, the, the Fed put, and what the Fed put is, is a, uh, an assumption that in a financial crisis, including a financial market decline, the Fed will do whatever it has to do to avoid uh, a tremendous uh, dislocation in the marketplace, simply because in the case, for example, of the stock market, uh, if there was a large decline in the stock market, uh, it could cause them to have uh, trouble meeting their objectives of low unemployment and stable prices. Well, as one person said in this article, Ed Yardini, he said, the Fed put is kaput. (laughs) And what he means is, that no one can count on the Fed coming in to rescue the stock market debacle of the last month, simply because inflation has become such a problem that the idea that they're going to come in as they have in the last 15 years, several times, including the 94 through 2008, where ever prices fell by 10%, they were able to uh, be somewhat ameliorated by Fed coming in and cutting interest rates. No one believes the Fed's going to come in here and save the stock market by uh, stopping their rise and, in fact, lowering rates. So, as uh, well, I, I think said, it's important though of this this whole you know everybody wants to debacle or whatever word people want to use. We're coming off three years of double digit growth. To have a pullback in the market is actually healthy. It will squeeze out some inefficiencies. At this point, we're only we're down sixteen percent, which is is not great. You know, no one's happy about that in terms of the stock market, the real issue is that bonds are dropping at the same rate. And that I think is where the real problem lies is there isn't that safety net in the bond market. However, if people stay in their seats and stay invested, we will get to the other side. It may not be this year, it may not be next year, but if you continue on your long-term investment plan and you don't let this short-term volatility rattle you, you will be better off in the long run. Um, yeah, I want, but one of the issues is, you know, on the upside, there's what's called the wealth effect, where people are benefiting from housing increases, have their their house going up in value, and the stock market going up. Even though they're not going to sell their house or sell their stocks, they feel richer and they spend more, and they feel more optimistic. And so, with the market decline, even though it's only down 16%, and it was uh, a reaction to uh, some cases a 100% increase, it still changes people's outlook on the world. And so, people are depressed because they thought they really own that wealth increase. That is true. However, I think the Fed is banking on people's balance sheets being much stronger than they have been in the past because of the pandemic. And consequently, they should be able to weather the inflation storm. I think that's what, you know, Jerome Powell came out. Um, I'm not sure if anybody saw the interview with um, Kai Risdale or, on, or not saw, but heard on NPR. You you had him saying things like the Fed wish they had acted sooner and they will be very 
um, quick to, to act in the event they're needed. And so I think, you know, Jerome Powell's job is not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. Um, we've talked about the whole uh, uh, issue of a shareholder value, which is a theory that Milton Friedman and his proponents uh, taught many, many people over years through their own teachings and their writings. And it became doctrine in all of the MBA textbooks that what shareholders should, what's what stock, what uh, corporate offices need to do is focus on one thing and one thing only, which is uh, corporate profits, shareholder gains, shareholder value. And uh, we've seen a little bit of movement looking at stakeholder value in terms of the environment, in terms of some issues about the Me Too uh, issues. And uh, that's a good thing. Well, surprisingly, there is now pushback. And some pretty well-known people like Thiel, who was a Trump supporter, and Ackman, who is one of the largest hedge fund people in this Thursday, in this Tuesday Wall Street Journal article, have started to push back and say, we shouldn't have stakeholder capitalism. We should go back to a very doctrine, uh, Friedman-esque. Uh, the only thing that really matters is corporate profits. And, you know, I think that that is really doesn't align itself with, I think, what 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 our culture is, what I hope our culture is looking for. And it's really very, in my view, very disappointing. It is, however, I think there's been a lot of lip service to it as opposed to actual, um, you know, putting their money where their mouth is. You know, if you, if you take, for example, even the Twitter deal, when they accepted Elon Musk's offer, they were only looking at corporate uh, or shareholder profit. They weren't looking at the entire, all the stakeholders you know, as we've talked about on the pre on previous shows, you know, having the public forum owned by one person, is that really good for society? Yeah, but you know, what, what I think a lot of young people want is, is a company to say, you know, we may have to reduce our greenhouse emissions, uh, and maybe lose a little bit of profit, because it's going to save the world. And if you're just only look, look looking at, at profits, uh, sometimes um, the better, uh, the what's what's better for the world gets lost. So, um, you know, maybe I'm too optimistic about the future of the world, but I think that's that to me was was fairly depressing. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. Peekaboo, peekaboo, smile, smile, buddy. Come on, smile. 
Oh, honey, he's still not smiling. Maybe he's not a smiler. <sighs> yeah, maybe he's just not a happy baby. Maybe he's just being a boy. You know how boys are. Or maybe he's teething. Oh, poor baby. I think his gums hurt. Maybe he's just tired. Or maybe his tummy hurts. He didn't eat that much. Maybe he's not ticklish. You think maybe he's scared of the dog? Maybe he'll outgrow it. Maybe it's a phase. Maybe he just doesn't like smiling. Maybe he has autism. And we can definitely do something to help. Maybe is all you need to find out more about autism. No big, joyful smiles by six months is one early sign. Learn the others at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs or see a doctor today for an autism screening. The sooner it's diagnosed, the better. And it can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. If you're just joining us, we have the pleasure of having Amy Bard, who's from Village Properties with us. Amy, thank you so much for being here with so much going on in the real estate market. I'm sure we're going to have lots of phone calls today. So first, let's talk a little bit about you. You know, where are you from and how did you find your way to Santa Barbara? Well, I wasn't, I didn't know that there were going to be a Q&A after this, so I'll have to <laughs> reserve more time. Um, I'm from a little town called Old Orchid, so that's North Santa Barbara County, and grew up on three and a half acres, which is a... Um, a rare bird nowadays, if you consider where people are growing up and feel incredibly fortunate to have Santa Barbara County as home. Uh, moved up to the set, moved down to the San Inez Valley, worked in the wine industry and in hospitality for some time, and then up to Napa before coming back to Santa Barbara. Um, I am a gaucho, but the, um, the, the lifestyle of Isla Vista wasn't a fit for me. So I stayed in San Inez Valley and uh, real estate became a fit for me after having such exposure from the wine winery aspect. I, the aesthetics that people witness, right? When you're in a winery, you can see a person that really melds into their environment that really appreciates the aesthetic or in a home. So I have to give a little bit of credit to my parents. My mom, was a real estate broker for 25 years in uh, Santa Maria and Santa Barbara County. And my father was a general contractor and both of them hobbyists and created a beautiful aesthetic, had rentals when I was a very young kid. So I really bought into uh, practicing what I preach and real estate is about helping people. Um, maybe people don't think of it in that manner, but helping you in, you know, whether it's creating your wealth, like what you do, and um, finding a home. And people have certainly tuned into that during COVID more than ever, right? Your home is everything. It's your sanctuary. It's also your office. So um, helping people is a tremendous part of what makes real estate interesting for me. So where do you think, given the rapid rise in real estate, I think it was quoted last year, you know, real estate in Santa Barbara, was was raising by two the properties were rising in value by two percent a month. Have you seen that slow down at all, or are you 
are we still on that rapid growth pace? We still seem to be on that rapid growth pace. And I, I wish I had a crystal ball. I mean, doesn't everyone? But the reality is it's not slowing down. The inventory is low. There's a lot of pent up demand. And it's a little bit of a vortex, right? That circles itself. If somebody wants to sell, they need to find what their next place is. If you've got multiple properties, you're going to downsize into something you already own. Great. But it's a bit of a conundrum for people. And the on, the reality is it's almost 100% multiple offers on all listings. And that's at all price ranges. We used to see, uh, you know, every week we follow the statistics and the entire MLS in terms of new listings coming on, what's gone into escrow and what has closed. And what we follow is that the number of new listings has actually increased a little in the last few weeks, in the last month. And yet uh, the sales that used to be between you know, we'd break it down into categories under a million, one to two, two to four, four to eight, and over eight. You know, when we would have some statistics for a week be over that uh, $1 million marker, 50% over, is, is now completely unrelatable. Now it's almost everything is over 2 million. Everything is definitely over a million. We have such low inventory and the demand continues to be out there. I have buyers who are ready with cash and ready with loans and uh, finding that dream house, you know, is a niche. And so when you're seeing, because in, in the last few months, I've seen more houses or last few weeks, I should say, I've seen more houses sitting or falling out of escrow and then sitting on the market for a while in such a low inventory, it, it just, I can't help but to scratch my head and say, what's wrong with that property? And so are you finding those properties that maybe were listed too high or, you know, uh, were too picky and or chose the wrong offer when the offers were presented? Are they sitting longer or is there another reason? They're not really sitting longer. There are the few outliers that you see that properties are coming back on the market. I think part of that is the buyers coming out of the gate like racehorses, just chomping at the bit. They've lost out perhaps on another property. And so now they're, you know, everything that they can offer, they're putting it on the table and they're acting, you know, not out of haste. They thought through, but you don't know a house. You don't know what you don't know. So they're excited to get their offer and get it accepted, you know, offer top dollar, you know, do everything they can to make their offer as enticing as possible. But then once they, you know, they're on the second date, if you will, visiting the property again, after maybe seeing it once, uh, there's things that become discovered in the due diligence period. There may be things that you didn't know. And so, um, you know, that's part of the case for some of these other ones might be um, seller got a little bit too overzealous in asking for a higher price that didn't quite meet where the market is. And so they've had a reduction. But most of our properties coming back on the market, um, you know, there's been times where uh, people have a life changing circumstance. They thought they were buying this house they're in and they have a job change. And even though they can work remotely, it's a whole lifestyle of what does that fit? What does that mean for that fit, that person, that individual, that family? Uh, so now given that we're headed into the spring, I guess we're, we're fully planted in spring yes, now. Headed into summer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like headed into summer. Mm -hmm. Normally this is the time where we see more listings hit the market. Are you seeing from where you sit a rise in inventory? Um, there are, you know, 29 offers for every house, so I'm sure it won't meet the demand. However, are we going to see the beginning of summer 
more listings like we normally do, or is everything kind of sussed out already? Well, it's a more complex answer. And I think that we see it every year that people know, you know, springtime and summer are really the height of the market. We see the most activity during that, those months. And yet we are seeing more inventory and we're seeing more inventory on all price ranges. So that is helpful. I think that coming out to some degree coming out of COVID has also allowed people to feel a little bit more freedom. So the fear of having people come through your house or being exposed really did, I'm sure, have a damper on our markets in the past. And so we're having people obviously exploring travel again as well. So yes, we are seeing more inventory. And I don't know, again, no crystal ball, but from statistically what we see the summertime, it does pick up. We have more listings, we have more sales, we have the hype. Um, and I can tell you that, you know, from January, from December, January to now where we are in middle of, eight, of May, the number, the amount of activity is tremendous. It's almost doubled. So where, where, um, where are these people coming from? If you're buying a $25 million house, I get that. It's, it's uh, someone from Hollywood. It's an entrepreneur. It's a hedge fund manager. That's understandable. But people buying two or three or $4 million houses, um, one would think that they have you know a couple of kids. They want to have them go to school here. But to carry a two to $3 million house and now I know we talk about that as a low price for Santa Barbara, but who are these people that can that can afford that right, kind because of? Because it's still twenty thousand dollars a year in taxes alone. Ta- taxes yeah, and million dollar houses, right? Four million. Now you're up to forty thousand dollars a year in taxes. And no, plus, plus, how many people have that kind of money? So I don't care what they're bidding; they probably go out and get a mortgage at some point. And the mortgage now at five percent for two million bucks is a lot of a lot of uh, a, a, a nut to crack with along with taxes. Uh, you know, you need with to make a second a- with another home somewhere else. Right. So mm-hmm. where, are, who are these people? You know, it's everyone. You'd be, you'd be really surprised because I have had clients. Um, I've had first time home buyers that have been in Santa Barbara that are, have saved up. And uh, to, a couple of those right at the beginning of COVID just said, this is great. I'm going for it. You know, I'm going to have a little bit of cold feet, but I'm going to move forward. And then we have people that are coming from, I've had clients from Chicago, Miami, Boston, New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and what they, you know, they're, they're all different. Their, their backgrounds are all different. Some have been in tech, some are, have worked incredibly hard. They're in, and people are having children later. So this might be, you know, a family with kids. It might be an individual, but they're having kids later. So they're not 25 years old and having kids. They're 35 years old. They've put in another 10 years of work. So I, I think maybe that's a little bit of a distinguishing, a distinguishing factor. Uh well, now, you do know, you think I, they're here to stay, given that, you know, I I find many people when they migrate to Santa Barbara and then they realize how sleepy it is in Santa Barbara, they get restless, bored and think that I got to get out of here. What do you what do you think this crop of of new residents of Santa Barbara are going to do? And have you have you seen anybody kind of get fatigued with the sleepiness of our little town? You know, the families I think that are moving here are people that are already in relationships. So I don't want to discriminate, you know, outline that it's only going to be one individual versus another. But if you're already 
in a relationship, whether your family is here, you have a community here, you have a village or a tribe that supports you, you've spent enough time here to get somewhat of a feel for it. And the pace of Santa Barbara is actually what they're seeking. They want to not drive an hour commute. They want to not deal with, you know, not finding uh, the ability to even make it to the beach that it's such a traffic laden, you know, trip. So Santa Barbara offers that option for people to really sink into the lifestyle here of having things at our fingertips, because it's, it may be a sleepy community. And I agree, it definitely is. And yet, you know, the Santa Barbara Bowl offers a lot. We've got great arts and lectures. We've got so many wonderful aspects out in nature. So I think that's really the driving force that people are seeking here. And it's not for everyone. So if somebody really needs an energy and a pulse of a city like San Francisco or Los Angeles, what some people have done is they've you know, they've got two homes so they can get both when they want it. But I've not seen many people exit. I've seen some very wise people that have come into Santa Barbara, rented, made sure that this is what resonates with them. It feels good. They definitely like the community. They like the vibe here. They like how welcoming Santa Barbara is and how involved people are in our community. And they've decided, you know what, I'm buying in. I love it. It's, it's paradise. We came from a city we don't want that vibe anymore. We want to, you know, be able to be in a community that has everything accessible. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service, every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. The First Tee organization introduces the game of golf to kids and teens. First Tee strives to develop quality golfers and even better people. Here's Executive Director Jessany Johnson. Part of our mission is to reach kids who wouldn't ordinarily have access to the game of golf. We are providing kids with golf clubs if they need them, with full scholarships so that cost is never prohibitive. So we have partnerships with organizations like Girls Inc., Boys and Girls Club, YMCA's, schools, where our coaches go in and teach classes to these kids at no cost. We are a nonprofit, so all donations are tax deductible. Our website is firsttcentralcoast.org. To learn more about the First Tee organization, to check out the website at firstteecentralcoast.org or call 805-252-2272. Hey, watch where you park. Please, never drive your vehicle onto dry grass or brush. Hot exhaust pipes, catalytic converters, and mufflers can start fires that you won't even see until it's too late. Properly maintain your vehicle. Worn out brake pads may not be able to stop you and can cause metal-on-metal metal sparks to fly. Keep a cell phone nearby and call 911 immediately in case of fire. Remember, one less spark is one less wildfire. The California Statewide Fire Prevention Program is grateful for your cooperation. All right, stand by. We are coming back.
Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290 or email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. If you're just joining us, we're having the pleasure of a real estate conversation with Amy Bard, who's at Village Properties. So Amy, tell us, what do you think the higher interest rate is going to do, if anything, to our market? Are you seeing all cash buyers, or do you think with an interest rate of over 5%, it's going to um, either level out prices or actually shake out some buyers? I do see so much cash in this market. The majority of my buyers are laden with cash. And even if that's pulling it out from the stock market, you know, that now has ramifications. But the interest rate will have an effect on people, uh, especially our, our entry level buyers. That's going to affect their ability to borrow. And, uh, you know, before they could purchase perhaps at 1.7, and now they're more comfortable in a 1.5 because that interest rate takes you out $100,000. You know, every bump that it goes up. So it will have some effect. And yet the amount of cash out there has the market stronger than ever. Again, like I said earlier, it's multiple offers on every property. And more often than not, when you have multiple buyers, especially at the higher price points, it's an all cash offer. And so are these people getting loans after the fact, or are they just keeping it all cash? Most people are getting loans after the fact, yes. And so as I said, the interest rate is still going to affect you, but these people have a net wealth that allows them to get a loan for 4 million or 8 million afterwards and refinance. And maybe they're only doing 50%. Maybe they're, you know, and, and using cash for the other 50%, but that's still, that's still a jumbo loan by any way we call it. And so when you're looking at, um, when, you're, when you are representing the buyer, are you automatically putting in over asking price um, offers? Is that the only way to secure a, you know, the secure a home these days? Or are you doing full price or is there still room for any negotiation? It, it really depends. Uh, <laughs> you know, more likely the first, the form, first that you mentioned, but I have to work within my buyer's comfort level and they're trusting me to be their expert. And in that, I, I, I've got to tell them, you know, here's what the property is going to command. We know if a property has uh, way high of an asking price than has been set by any other precedent, by any other sale. And really have to weigh it with what are they looking for? Does this property have what they're looking for enough? Or are they seeing that there's so many compromises to this particular property that if they don't get it, they're okay? That's not my average buyer. My average buyer that is coming in with cash, they want that property. And so we're really going to strategically talk about what is it going to take? I'm going to have a conversation with the listing agent. What are the buy what are the sellers looking for? You know, because it's yes, money is usually the absolute driving force, but there may be other concessions or other things that a seller is looking for. Perhaps they need a lease back. Perhaps the property is occupied with tenants. And so that needs to be something that the buyer can also negotiate on of offering. Are they going to offer free rents? Are you know, so there's there's other facets to be able to come in with. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the at the end of the day, money is the the top concern for for any seller. What about insurance? 
uh, some of the nicest houses in Santa Barbara and Montecito are in fire zones. And mm -hmm. as we all know, some of the major carriers have been canceling uh, across the board at, or raising rates by 100%. Um, do, do people know that when they when they make a bid and when they find out what the insurance is going to be, do they just say we're going to self-insure or do they get scared away? It's a conversation that is immediate with me, especially knowing where someone's interest is. Is it above, you know, is it near the foothills? Is it going to be in a high fire area? And there are high fire areas even on the west side that you wouldn't believe, right? Up backing up to Ealing's Park, maybe there's a pocket there that's also considered high fire, but it is part of the due diligence. So if I have a listing in an area that is high fire zone, it's going to be one of the first conversations I have with the seller knowing what is their current insurance. I'm going to get a bid from brokers, insurance brokers as well. So I have a bit of information to share and give a potential buyer that information. It's the number one part of due diligence that has to be done right away, knowing what the insurability, knowing what the cost is. Given that there are so many properties that are selling, you know, 10 days, releasing all contingencies, when you are representing the seller, are you getting all the inspections ahead of time so people know what they're getting into? Or is it kind of a crapshoot? How does crap that work? <laughs> it's a crapshoot. And the reality is uh, if a home was purchased two years ago, nothing's really done. Maybe that seller has due diligence that they can offer that is part of the disclosure package that they'll give. Wonderful, it can be given up front. Um, in a different market, we saw things proceed incredibly differently, but now we've seen people release all contingencies up front and you don't want, you know, that's like, you know, for an investor, you want to know what you're getting into. And if this is going to be your home, you don't want to have something come up that's, you know, a hundred thousand dollar problem later on that you didn't look at. So it, it's a, it's a major risk. It's a major throw of the dice if you're releasing all of your contingencies, but for inspections, you know, for those of us that are busy enough, we almost have our inspectors on hold with certain dates all the time because we know that we're going to need them. Um, you know, can an inspector get in there right away and turn something out so you have a report and perhaps ancillary reports afterwards that are follow-up. Maybe there was something that's found, so now you need to get a quote on what the cost would be. But really and truly in this market, there is very little time for all of the all the rest of the due diligence in terms of what is it going to cost you to rebuild or to uh, re-roof your house or repaint. People already know that. So I think we've got a lot more educated buyers that are coming into this market knowing I want my house. I want to be paying my own mortgage. I, I want to own it. And I recognize that there's going to be, you know, right off the bat, 50 to $75,000 that I'm going to need to spend. And the due diligence is going to give them a bigger a broader picture of more fine tuning that may need to be done. But I think people are keeping a little bit more mindful that, yeah, we're paying top dollar and we're going to have to take on some projects. But um, a lot of times there's been property sell with no inspections whatsoever. It sounds like when Musk bought a Twitter, he may <laughs> have been better off doing some uh, due diligence. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. So Diane, uh, remember, 
It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... (laughs) Sometimes, though. (laughs) You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks could only dream about. So, Amy, tell us, are pocket listings a thing of the past? I do hear a lot of off-market um, transactions closing. What What is that about, and how, you know, how does that happen? <laughs> Hmm. Yes, they're constantly happening and off-market sales are taking place between brokerages. And some years ago, the uh, National Association of Realtors came down with what's called clear cooperation. And the idea was to get rid of, quote unquote, pocket listings. So pocket listing for those, I'm, I'm sure everyone's heard of one, but it's a property that doesn't go into the MLS. It doesn't go online and it sells. And it's just shared word of mouth through agents and brokers and their clients. And this clear cooperation law made it so that if I have a listing that my clients don't want put into the MLS, let's say they've got tenants or for for whatever privacy purposes, that listing is now only able to be shared within my brokerage. So I'm at Village Properties, right? So it's like, okay, Amy Baird has a listing and this listing at Village Properties can only be shared with my colleagues and my clients. My other colleagues at Village Properties can share it with their clients. Um, So it ends up happening that you've got sales happening within Village Properties itself or some of the other companies doing the exact same thing because that's where the clear cooperation came, clear cooperation law mandated. Um, And yet, because it's such an incredible market and the inventory is so low, the demand is so high. I, as an agent, I'm going to call my colleagues outside of my office and find out, hey, 
not going to write a letter. I'm going to honor the relationships that we have with our clients, which most of our clients become our friends. Um, these uh, other agents I'm calling to say, hey, you know, is your seller that owns this property they bought two years ago, would they consider an offer? And it's a way to flesh out new options, new opportunities for the people that we're working with to help them get what they're looking for. So it's that would still be a pocket listing, even though it would have never hit the market. Um, sales like that are happening. And I think we're going to continue to see them happening. So do you think that that's a case to work with an, with an agent like yourself um, or a broker like yourself in terms of um, instead of doing it kind of like going on truly yourself and finding the houses that are, are listed. Is that, is that one of the reasons why you should work with a person like yourself? I think it's always great to have a relationship with someone that's an expert in their field. I think that you can get, you know, I'm not somebody who trusts myself or has the expertise that you do at Arlington Financial to be able to go into the stock market and throw money and see what's going to happen. I think investing in real estate is a different story. It's, you know, we have a lot of stability in the market at this point and, and a lot of growth. But I think working with an individual gives you so much more insight and that someone who's really connected and, and agents that play well with others can find much more information than you'd ever find online. So let's Period. say, for instance, you did have a client that was looking to sell their home but didn't want it on the MLS. Do you, do, does that person usually give some up in terms of what they'll get in terms of price point? Or is it... Um, is it just as competitive? You can still get multiple offers. So even though you may not put the seller has enlisted me to list their home and yet not put it on the open MLS, I can still market it within village properties. And let's say with the 200 agents that we have, if each of us have 200 clients out there, you've just got to, you know, that's a, that's a large pool of potential buyers. You're still likely to get multiple offers. Um, would it be an outlier that there's somebody else out there that's represented by a different brokerage that's willing to pay substantially more? You don't know. Um, putting it on the open market is probably the best. And yet there have been compelling offers, even when something does hit the market. They say, our property's on tour, our, we're showing it, and offers are due by Tuesday. And before Tuesday, they take an offer and they said, it was so compelling that we took that offer. We really didn't, the, the agent and the sellers, and really it's the individual homeowner that makes the decision that says, I can't imagine us getting anything better. This is, you know, kind of our dream offer. They've hit everything that we want. And what about, what, what, what about the, the, the situation where somebody says, I don't want to sell my house, but if you can get me $12 million, I'll sell it. That's kind of a pocket listing too, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is a pocket listing as well. And maybe that individual has their reasons for, you know, kind of that make me move price, but it's definitely a pocket listing. And in some scenarios, it may work. It may be the perfect fit for someone else that's out there. And um, it, it, it happens. So what happens, Amy, if you have a friend who works at a different brokerage? So you're at Village and they're at XYZ Brokerage. Can you also share your clients kind of wanting to sell their house with them? Or is that with the new rules off limits? That's what the new rule is. It's off limits. Yeah. If, they're, if they, as the seller, however, tell their neighbor, 
and their neighbor tells somebody else, now you've got a little different scenario. And that happens a lot. So, you know, even though it's mum's the word, it still gets out there. It still gets, if you will, leaked. Um, the gardener knows something and, and shares something, etc. So that would be a perfect example. Um, but the, like I said, calling the other agents, knowing that a property sold before in the past, maybe this property sold in 2018 and I know it's in the hedgerow and I, this is specifically where my clients want to be. You know, I've got a list of maybe five or 10 properties that sold in the last few years that I could call those agents. Maybe they don't even have that listing yet, but they're going to reach out to their client and find out, Hey, you know, Sally, you've had this house for only two years. Has anything changed? I've had a conversation with someone who may be interested in buying your home. Is that a conversation? And then working with it, you know, it's, working within the confines of keeping it totally in the best interest of your client and working within the clear cooperation laws. So let's say that the gardener does share it with somebody and then another uh, brokerage, another agent contacts you and says, hey, I heard from gardener XYZ that this house is on the market. I have a client who wants to buy it. Can you do that business? You have to be really careful. Um, you know, you've got to, ethics is everything. I'm not going to cross any lines in my real estate and jeopardize. This is my livelihood. My clients needs are what comes first, but I'm not going to jeopardize what is acting by clear cooperation. And it's, you know, the, the individual broker on that is going to have to make a conversation with the seller are we willing to can we share this information it's, it's already out there someone's already aware because your gardener shared information so it's a it's a it's a fine area that you've got to make sure that you get through the gray area and do what's do what's right speaking of gardeners uh we had a party once and we told the gardener that we'd like him to come back on the weekend and and uh, blow again he said are you selling your house <laughs> it was you know like why is it usually that bad that uh, by asking you to clean up, we're going to be selling it. No, it's, it's just a party. Um, Cute. Uh, anyway, um, speaking of parties, uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back with our final segment. For prospective home buyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. 
You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. This is how we do every day. We be grinding. And if you want to come and text us... If you love them enough to turn off your music... And pretend like their music is your music. Ah, this is Mommy's Jam! Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Welcome back to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9. And we are here today with Amy Baird. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Of Village Properties. And so, Amy, what do you, what impact, if any, do you see the stock market's volatility having on real estate and real estate prices, especially with these all cash offers? What we know historically is that when the stock market is falling, traditionally real estate outperforms and it's going to be, you know, I, I, re- I remember traveling with friends who had bought real estate and we were in Park City and the market dropped so much at the beginning of 2020. And it's like, you know, people lost a quarter of their wealth in a matter of, of days and yet it bounced right back. Um, and with the real estate market, being so highly in demand and people still needing a place to live and the shortage of housing, which we don't really think about, but is definitely there. The demand is going to be there. And I feel like how differentiated this time is where in we've had the housing market take a crash in 2009. We don't have those same loans. So the stock market's going to do as it will, but we're not. I don't think we're going to see anything implode here because we've got really solid buyers. People aren't bundling, you know, B and C and worse loans in in A. So we've got a really strong, um, we've got a really strong demand here, and I don't see things softening too much. I see things carrying on at least through the end of this year. And one of the things that uh, people have historically done is when they're faced with inflation is to get out of dollars into hard assets. Mm -hmm. And so again, historically, one would think real estate is a good hedge against inflation as opposed to uh, keeping your money in something that will depreciate like cash or other monetary assets. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Absolutely. And so so Amy, as we're in our last um, segment, how would you differentiate yourself in a town where there are so many different agents and so many different brokerages? How do you differentiate yourself with your clients and why should somebody work with you? I really love helping people and every person that I have worked with to find their dream home, I'm still in touch with. So relationships really matter. And those people that worked with me in the past have me as their go-to for literally everything, whether it's an arborist or putting on a new roof, or are they looking for someone, you know, a new facialist or someone that's uh, creating, you know, a a private party for themselves and they want to have a a private chef. I've been a go-to for everything. And it's also on long-term planning. I'm not going to miss a meal. I'm going to tell my clients what's best for them. And I'll talk 
you know, I'm very black and white about what's going to be a good fit for clients. And I don't want anybody to get themselves into a home that's not the right fit. So for me, the relationship matters more than anything else. I'm um, always here. I'm always available. I have a team that supports me. And, you know, I work on this from a longer term perspective that I want to see my clients wealth grow similar to what you do with Arlington Financial Group, whether it's investing in a 1031 or it's longer term planning as to, you know, helping their families accumulate wealth or an individual in order to help a nonprofit down the road. It's, um, it's a relationship that makes all the difference. And I feel like being your authentic self that really knows the market is what is, uh, that resonates with people, you know, people can, can sense that and it makes all the difference. So this is a question that we really can't get into because we only have one minute left, but it seems that the go-to person is, is Amy. It's not village properties. And that, and that, that paradigm has been changing over the last 10 years. People used to go to the brokerage firm and now they're going to the individual broker, which gives the broker much more power. And it requires, um, I guess, more effort on the brokerage firm to find ways of differentiating themselves to attract and keep good brokers. True. It really is true. We've become, you know, a concierge and within your own individual agency, like my, me as a broker, I have a lot more people that I'm referring to all sorts of different venues throughout Santa Barbara. And it's, wonderful that you follow someone wherever they go. My clients that have followed me with village properties have been a gift and it's reciprocal. I help them with their endeavors as well. And they help me. Amy Baird from Village Properties. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk and we'll see you all next week. (laughs) 